Thank you for listening today to our podcast here at Word of Life. We're delighted that you tuned in. And I pray that while you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. I know God's got a big plan for you. We're excited to be a part of that plan. Hopefully we will see you sometime soon, maybe even this weekend. Until then, we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for coming out to our 1130 service here at Highland Colony. How many of you guys know we saved the best for last, right? I know that you enjoyed worship, and we're, i got a word to share with you today that's big on my heart. But before we do anything else, can we go to the Lord and pray? Father, we just come before you today. We thank you for the opportunity just to gather around your word and, and gather around your presence today. Father, we thank you for your peace that just rests upon our time of worship. Lord, let it rest upon our hearts. Let it rest upon our minds today. Father, I thank you that you're working out all the details in our lives, the big stuff, the small stuff, and everything in between. But Father, I thank you for everybody that's here today. If they need a word from you, Lord, if they need a word from heaven, if they need an answer to a problem in life right now, Father, let them hear what they need to hear in their heart so that they can live the life that you have called them to. And Father, I thank you that you just bless my words today. Let them touch the hearts of all that hear. And Father, let us just not be hearers of this word today, but Father, let us be doers of it so that we can be blessed in all that we do. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. Well, you saw this a moment ago. We've got our 90-day tie challenge coming up next Sunday. So if that's you and you're interested in starting to take your journey in tithing, we'll have cards next week that you can fill out and you can get started with that. We have had hundreds of people take the tithe challenge, really over a thousand over the last few years. And we have had testimony after testimony of how God has worked and moved in the lives of so many who have taken that next step of tithing. So I want to encourage you to take a look at that today because that's what we're going to be talking about. And today's message is about tithing. And I thought no better way to do that than to kind of share my experience, which is kind of a little bit funny, as I'll share in just a minute, about how tithing has kind of impacted my life and really where it all began for me. You see, the story really started for me whenever I was in seventh grade. That was the first time my life was truly impacted by tithing. And I'm going to kind of end the message today by sharing that story. But I want to fast forward a few years later, whenever I was 19 years old. That's really where it began to start for me because my parents didn't really go to church growing up. I wasn't raised in church, so it's safe to say that I really didn't know much about church, and I didn't know a whole lot about God. Really, the extent of it for me was basically we'd go to Grandma's church growing up a little bit. How many of you guys, you went to Grandma's church growing up? And then we'd get back home, and my favorite part of it was is we'd have like two big buckets of extra crispy KFC waiting on us. And so it was like, no matter how boring church was as a kid, that chicken was waiting and it was going to be time to throw down whenever we got home. And so that was a good church memory for me. But we didn't really go up growing to church unless grandma drug us to church. But whenever I was 19 years old, I made a decision to go all in with God. I gave my life back to the Lord because I got saved whenever I was in seventh grade. But then fast forward, I wasn't really living for God. But I had this moment with God when I was 19, and I said, God, I'm going to be all in for the rest of my life. I'm going to give it all to you for the very first time, and let's see what happens whenever I do. Well, during that time, I'm going to church more than ever. I became that guy that was like, no, I don't want to go to church, to that guy that was like, every single time the doors were open, I was going to be in church. 
because I'm like, God, I love you. I want to live my life for you. I need to learn as much as I can because I felt like over all those years growing up not being in church, I didn't know a whole lot about a whole lot when it came to God and it came to church and especially spiritual things. And I sure didn't know much about giving because at that time I was working part-time at a golf course, making very little money, had a truck payment, paying for my cell phone, paying for bills for the first time in my life, right? And I barely have enough money to kind of pay for the truck and, and a few things now and again. But as I'm going to church, I'm sitting on a, a row much like you are today. And how many of you guys know there's three parts of every church service? You've got praise and worship, you got the message, and somewhere in there is going to be offering time, right? And so every single week that I would go to church and it was offering time and they're passing the plates and they're passing the buckets, I'm sitting there like, I don't want to be that guy. It doesn't put anything in there. And I feel like everybody's looking at me right now, wondering like, is he going to put something in there? Not realizing nobody probably cared. But in my mind and in my head, I was so up there thinking, I got to put something in the plate. I got to put something in the bucket because, you know, I want to make sure that I'm doing the right thing because I'm trying to honor God and go all in for God during this time. And so during that time, I realized, okay, I got to start giving. That seems to be part of the routine, but I know nothing about tithing. I know nothing about giving. All I know is people put money whenever the plate is passed on a Sunday morning. And so for me, I was like, I'll just start with putting $5 in there, right? So it's passed, and I'm like, I'll put $5 in there. And $5 back then, you know, you get you a little bit of gas today. It's not going to get you much anything, especially the gas prices the way they are now. But every once in a while, I'd feel even a little bit more generous, and I'd be like, okay. I'm going to put $10 in the plate today because I'm feeling a little extra generous today. And you know what? Every once in a while, like right whenever I would get paid, I'd be like, I'm going to go all in today. I'm going to put $20 in the plate because it's time to be really generous. And for me, that was so much. I'm like, do you know what I could do with $20? $20 would give me some gas. It would give me some Arby's. It would give me a few other things. And, you know, I could have done something with that $20, but... I didn't know. I was doing everything I knew to do when it came to giving, but I had no idea even what tithing was at that point in time. But fast forward, I meet the woman of my dreams, my wife, Hope. She's married to Pastor Joel, for those of you guys who don't know. And so she grew up as a PK, which is a preacher's kid, right? Some of you guys know that. You're familiar with that term. Her dad was a pastor. Her brother's a pastor. I'm coming into this family for the first time. I'm I'm all in with God, but I'm still learning as I go, right? So I'm learning on the fly all kinds of stuff about church and about what to do, what not to do, and especially with giving. And all of a sudden, I hear about tithing for the first time. And I'm like, what is tithing exactly? And I'm working full time during that time. And they're, they're like, tithing, according to Malachi 3.10, you're just supposed to bring it to, to the church and whenever you do, God's going to open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you don't have room enough to receive. Tithing is bringing that first 10% to God and honoring with him. And I'm like, hold on a second. Did, did they say 10% or $10? Because I've been doing that $10 thing, and that, that has felt okay, but 10% is a whole different story. And all of a sudden, I'm all up in my head about it, trying to figure out, wow, what am I going to do? Because 10% was a big deal for me, especially during that time, because... I'm not making a whole lot of money, and I'm like, I've married into this family. These people have been tithing since they were little kids, and I'm definitely not going to have the conversation with my fiance to be like, hey, I don't know about this whole, you know, tithing and giving thing, but I kept those thoughts in my head. 
And all of a sudden, as you can imagine, fear really starts to come in during that time because I'm like, what's going to happen if I start tithing? Am I going to have enough? And that's what I want to talk about for a few minutes today, about this journey of tithing and this journey of generosity really touches our lives in three different ways. First, it starts up here in our head. We're trying to figure out and logically figure out giving 10% to God and becoming generous for the first time in our lives. But eventually that truth gets out of our head and it gets into our heart and it becomes something that is very relational between us and God. But you know where it ends up? It ends up coming out of our hands and going into God's hands. And so the first thing that I want to share with you today is this, is that tithing when it comes to our head, I want everybody to realize this truth and that is this. It's okay and you're normal, and it's normal for fear to come whenever you begin to start tithing. I definitely had to deal with fear in so many different ways. As I was giving for the first time and tithing for the first time, I had a lot of thoughts going through my head whenever I found out that it wasn't $10 and it was actually 10%. And in that time, I realized that I started having these what-if moments when fear really tried to come into my life whenever I started giving. Now, what is a what-if moment? A what-if moment is simply this. What if I give 10% to God and there's not enough left over for gas at the end of the month? How am I going to even get to work? Or what if I give 10% and there's not enough for groceries at the end of the month? What if I give to God and I give that 10% and that rainy day happens like it always does, right? Where something happens with the house or something happens with the car or whatever it is or something happens with the kids and you are not expecting that expense at all, but boom, there it is and you got to do something with it, right? So that's what's going through my mind is this fear is coming and I realized years later that it's normal and I was normal for fear to come whenever I took that step to begin tithing. And I had this moment, even as I I got out of my head and I started getting into my heart when it came to tithing, I still had some of those what-if moments in my life. I was tithing years after that, and we finally got to a place where we got ahead financially for the first time. Isn't that a good feeling where you feel like, okay, we're starting to get ahead, we're starting to save a little bit, and then you have one of those what-if moments. For me, that first what-if moment was this, as Hope came to me, she said, hey, guess what? I'm like, oh, what? She's like, I'm pregnant. I'm like, oh, wow, my heart is so excited because we believe God for our first child. But you know what? In my mind, there was a war going on and fear was attacking me hot and heavy because I'm like, we just now got ahead. I've made this commitment to God. I've made this commitment to honor God by bringing that first 10% to him and to tithe. I can't back out on this thing now because God's word's got to be true, even though I'm having a what if moment now. And after that, We finally, God met our needs, we had enough, everything was okay, and then I had another what-if moment not too long after that where it was like, hey, we have a kid now, the car that we have is not going to work anymore, it's time for another vehicle. You know, we have a family now, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, well we'll we'll go look for one, and I'm looking in my head and I'm just kind of thinking, oh, it'd be nice to have that 10% to go towards that car payment, you know. But God, I've made this commitment to you, so I'm going to stick with it. And I had a what-if moment like that, even years into beginning to tithe, where it was like, it's hard to get out of your head when it comes to that. And I want everybody to know this truth today, though, is that it's normal and you're normal to have those feelings of fear when it comes to generosity and when it comes to giving. And Jesus even recognizes this in our life that we're going to have those what-if moments and we're going to have fear come when it comes to giving. And in Matthew 6, 31 through 33, Jesus says this. He says, so don't worry. Don't say, what will you eat? 
Don't say, what will you drink? Or even say, what will you wear? He says, people that are ungodly run after all these things. But your Father who is in heaven knows that you need them. But put up God's kingdom first. Do what He wants you to do. And all these other things will be added unto you. So Jesus recognizes that us being human, because He was all God, but He was all man too, realize we're going to have fear when it comes to generosity. And we're going to have fear when it comes to the needs in our life being met. But He says, I want you to understand something today. I want you to understand you're going to have those thoughts, but do not worry about where your meal is going to come from. Do not worry about the clothes. Do not worry about the bills. Do not worry about all those things. There's one thing that I need you to be focused on, and that is this. Put God first. And when you do... All these other things will be added to you. Not only that, the things that you've been worrying about, I'm going to take care of those things too. But Paul, he goes on to talk a little bit about the difference between two types of givers here in 2 Corinthians 9-7 in the New Living Translation. He says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. And do not give reluctantly or response to pressure. That was me. Whenever I started to give, I'm like, I put all this pressure on myself that, oh gosh, I've I'm married into this family and their church-going family and giving is a regular thing. I've got to do this. I've got all this pressure and this fear going on in my head. And I'm like, I, I, I've got to be this. I've got to do this. I did exactly what Paul said to not do. I was worried. I put this pressure on me. I reluctantly gave in that moment. And he says, for God loves a cheerful giver and God will generously provide to those that need, that you will always have everything you need and plenty left over. God makes that promise to us where he's like, there's, there's two different types of ways that you can give. You can give like I did, reluctantly or out of pressure to begin with, but he's like, guess what? God's not getting a lot of honor out of that, and God's not getting a lot of glory out of that. There is a specific way that you can give where God is really blessed by your giving and by your tithes and your offerings. And so what I realized for me in that time in my life is that You might be a lot like me during that time when you're thinking about giving or being generous towards God because I was not opposed to supporting the kingdom of God at all. No, quite the opposite. I wanted to do everything I possibly could to show God I'm all in. I want to be at church every single time I can. Father, I want to give generously. I want to serve. I want to do all these different things. And God, I want to show you that. I was not opposed to supporting God's kingdom at all. The thing that I was opposed to was not having enough if I made that decision and that commitment to trust God and His Word during that time. But Paul goes on to talk about two different types of givers here, that when we're all in our head about giving and fear comes, he says, you can give cheerfully, and God loves that. But he says also, too, that on the flip side, there must be fearful giving. And so I want to take a moment and talk about the difference between the two. And as I'm talking about what a fearful giver looks like, if that's you and that describes you today, remember our first point, which is this. It's normal and you're normal if fear does come to you because that's a part of life for all of us to wrestle with those things. But a fearful giver does this. They trust God with their eternity, but not their finances. They're saying, God, I believe you're quite capable of saving me so that I can spend eternity with you in heaven, but I'm not quite to the place yet. I'm not quite convinced yet, God, that I can trust you with my finances. But a cheerful giver does this. They replace fear with faith. And realize that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. 
What do I mean by that? The only way to get fear out of our lives, whether it comes to tithing or giving or anything else in our lives is this, is we have got to put fear aside and take it out and replace it with faith. And the way that we do that is by spending time reading and meditating upon God's promises that he is true, that he is faithful, that he is a good God, that he says if we put him first, he's going to take care of the rest. If we give him the first, he's going to bless the rest. All these different things. That's the only way to get fear out of our life is to put God's word in place of those things. A fearful giver sees God as savior, but not yet as provider. Jesus, I believe that you can save me, but I'm not quite to the place where I think that I'm fully persuaded that you can provide for me. But a cheerful giver on the flip side sees that God is the owner of our finances and our resources to begin with, and that he is quite able and well able to meet our needs according to his riches and glory. A fearful giver listens to their head and not their heart. They stay up here in their head and the truth of God's word never goes down into their heart. But a cheerful giver lets faith bridge the gap between the head and the heart. It takes faith in God's word and keeping it before us to get rid of the fear and let God's word become first so that we have the confidence and the faith and the ability and the courage to step out and do what God is telling us to do in his word. A fearful giver gives God what's left. That's what I did to begin with. I took care of my truck payment. I took care of my, my phone bill, my insurance, and all that kind of stuff. And I was still trying to do what I thought was the right thing to do. And I'd put that $5 in there. I'd put that $10 in the occasional generous day. Put that $20 in there, right? But I would give God what was left at the end. And I didn't realize in that moment what I was doing was tying God's hands because he can only bless my resources, my finances, whenever I put him first. But a cheerful giver on the flip side gives God to what's first and not what's left. It gives to God first before anything else and not what's left. And lastly, the difference between the two is simply this, is that a fearful giver will nervously ask, what if there's not enough? We've all had those moments whenever we step out in generosity and we sow a seed and we give that 10% to God and whatever that looks like or God speaks to our heart to give something and we all had that fear try to come and say, what if there's not enough? A fearful giver will always have that question paramount in their mind. And typically their life will stay the same because God can only bless when our hands step out in faith and our feet step out in faith and act on God's word. But a cheerful giver on the flip side excitedly asks, what if this thing works? God, what if this works? What if your word is actually true? And what if you do what you say you're going to do? Then my life will be blessed and I'll have plenty left over to be able to bless other people. What if your word actually works? This thing could change my life. And our life generally will never change financially with God's hand until we take that step of faith and trust God not just as Savior, but also as provider. And with all that in mind, I want us to ask ourselves a question today, which I think really simplifies what God is trying to communicate to us with giving, and that is this. Who is actually better at meeting my needs? Who is better at meeting my needs? Is it me? Or is it God? Am I better at meeting my needs? Or is God the God of heaven and earth who gave me the air in my lungs today? who created this entire world, who is better at meeting my needs? And I think that all of us would quickly say, God has got to be the better one at meeting my needs. And so whenever we step out of being a fearful giver and get out of our head about it and begin to get into our heart about it, we begin to get cheerful about it and excited and we look at the potential of what can happen in our lives when we begin to do that. 
And for me and my generosity journey of tithing over the last 18 years, I have seen God meet my needs every single time. I have seen God bring promotion and increase to where our family's needs were met, but we were also able to fund things in the kingdom of God and bless people as God put it in our heart. I've seen God to be true to his word, God to be faithful to his word, that he really did bless the rest whenever we give him what's first. But after we get out of the place of our head and and start to get the fear out of our life when it comes to giving and when it comes to tithing, we move to a place where God's word really gets to be in our heart, which is our second point today, and that is that our heart must be greater than our head to live generously. Our heart must be greater than our head to live generously because tithing does something. It expresses our heart and it reveals our heart to God whenever we give. What do I mean by that? Whenever I give to God, I'm showing my heart to Him. I'm showing that He matters more than any resources, than any finances, than anything, than any possession. I'm showing God, I'm putting you first above everything else because I recognize you as my provider. And in Matthew 6, 21, in the New Living Translation, it says this, where your treasure is, there's also going to be the desires of your heart. So God tells us there is a direct connection between where our heart is and where we spend our money. Now, all of us in here probably have some sort of hobby or we have something that we spend money on that we're like, I need to stop spending money on that. I spend too much money on that. For me, I spend way too much money at Starbucks. But don't tell anybody, right? I love to go get coffee a lot. For one person, maybe it's a hobby, playing golf or whatever it is. But we see here in Scripture that there's a direct connection between where our money is and where our heart is. And whenever we tithe, that expresses our heart to God, saying, God, my heart belongs to you. And my life belongs to you. But not just my heart, my wallet belongs to you too, God. That if I'm going to go all in with you, God, I can't give you just part of me. I want to give you all of me. And that includes my resources that I wouldn't have without you to begin with. Because we tend to give to those people that we love, right? We love our spouse, we love our kids, we love our friends that are close to us, right? And it's a natural expression of our heart to show love towards those people. Is it not? It's not an arm twist for me to give to my wife or to give to my kids or to give to a friend. I do that because I love them and that's just how I express my love to them. That's how I express my heart to them. But those that I don't know real closely or intimately, I tend to withhold from those people because... You know, my heart doesn't know them yet. I don't have a relationship with that particular person. But we see here that the natural expression of our heart in loving God is to bring our tithes and we give to those that love. And God really set the example in John three sixteen. right? It says that God so loved the world, he did what? He gave his only begotten son. God gave the very best that he had. He gave his son Jesus to us to say, humanity, I want you to know one thing. I love you. And I want to express that in one way that will be the be-all, end-all. I'm going to give my son Jesus the most valuable thing that I have, and I'm going to give it to humanity so that I can have a relationship with you. He loved us, so he expressed his love through giving. We give to those that we love. You know, a a couple weeks ago, my oldest son, Max, he's 11 years old, he had a four-wheeler, and he ended up selling his four-wheeler to a buddy of his. And he made $500, right? And so Max came to me and he was like, Dad, I want to sell my four-wheeler. I got, I got a friend that wants to buy it. And I'm like, okay, Max, sure you do. You know, I'll believe it when I see it. We all, the next day, his little buddy came over. His buddy's mom and dad came over. They got the four-wheeler. They loaded it up. They gave him $500 cash. And Max was like, see, I told you. And I'm like, okay, I'll never doubt you again, right? Well, Max did something amazing shortly after that. 
I told Max, I said, look, man, you got $500. That's a big deal. I was like, sleep on it on what you should do with that money because you don't want to go blow all that money all at once, you know? Don't go to the shoe store and buy five pair of shoes and just have regret, right? Because you're going to get them messed up quick. So just sleep on it, man, and then see what you think you want to really get. Don't rush and let that money burn a hole in your pocket. He said, okay, Dad, okay. He goes right into the kitchen where his other two brothers are. He's a nine-year-old brother and a six-year-old brother. And Max does something in this moment that just blew me away. Max gets his wallet out, and he's, he's showing his money to his brothers, and they're like, they're amazed. They've never seen this much cash before. How did Max get so much money? And they're just super excited about it. And in that moment, Max does something. He counts out 20, 40, 60, 80, 100, and he hands it to his younger brother, Lake. And I'm like, what the world's going on here? He just gave $100 of his $500 to Lake. What am I beholding? But then right after that, he counts up 20, 40, 60, and he gives it to his younger brother, Jagger. And I don't know why he gave him less, because he's younger, or what the deal is, or what the rationale was between that. But either way, they're both beaming ear to ear, like, oh my gosh, Max just gave me all this money. And Max tells me, without me even asking, he was like, I wanted to give that to them because I love them, and I had it, and I'm going I'm to tithe after that, Dad, and then I'll figure out what I want to get. And I'm like, oh my goodness. So I called his brothers around and I said, y'all, listen to me today. I was like, if you ever doubt that Max loves you, I want you to remember this day where he gave you $100 and he gave you $60. And you know, without a doubt, if you ever forget that Max loves you, remember this day because Max gave to you because he loved you. And you know, tithing is much of the same thing that we give to God because we love God. Max wanted to give to his brothers simply to express his love for them. He wanted them to know that he loved them. He wanted them to know that what is mine belongs to you too. And he wanted to bless them with that. And whenever we tie, that really does reveal our heart, just like Max revealed his heart to his brothers that day. And whenever we tie, that says three things to God all at the same time. It says, thank you. It says, I love you. But it also says, I depend on you, God. It says, thank you, God, for all that you bless me with. Thank you for the roof over my head. Thank you for the vehicle that I have to drive. Thank you for the meals that you're going to provide for me to be able to eat. Thank you for the big stuff, for the small stuff, for all the stuff in between. Thank you, God. I wouldn't have it without you. And I want to give this to you just to say thank you. But it also says I love you to God. Just like Max said I love you to his brothers by giving, he wanted his brothers to know that he loved them more than he loved money. He loved them more than he loved those resources. And whenever we bring our tithe to God, and our offerings to God, and we're generous. In that moment, we're saying, God, I love you. I just want to express my heart to you right now through my giving. But lastly, it says, I depend on you, God. It's saying, every single time I get paid, I'm going to bring this to you. I'm going to return this to you, God, the first and the best, because I want you to know that I depend on you as provider and not just Savior. I want to put this in your hands because you are the one that knows what should be done with this and I want to worship you with it. Because tithing really is an act of worship to God. When we give, it is part of our worship. Yes, it's raising our hands. Yes, it's lifting our voice. But our worship, how many of you guys know, should be done with our entire lives. All that we are and all that we have should belong to God. And for us, tithing has got to be something that is not just transactional, but it is something that is relational. 
And what do I mean by that? We don't bring our tithe to God as a transaction, like we're just simply paying a bill to heaven every single month whenever we get paid, to be like, God, I'm going to write you this check, and whenever I do this, you know, I want to make sure that I don't get struck by lightning. I want to make sure that the washer doesn't break down. And God, I'm just giving you this to make sure I'm good, you're good, are we good? Is everything good? But so much of the time we give to God, like that's a very transactional thing. There's no heart put in it. There's no expression of love put in it. It just becomes mechanical in how we give to God. But in that moment, God is saying, no, I need your heart in it. I need this to be something that's done cheerfully, not transactionally with you. Because if it's an expression of our relationship with God, there's love put in every tithe that we do. There's worship put in every single tithe that we do. If I'm just simply paying a bill to God, then God's not getting a lot of worship. He's not getting a lot of glory. He's not getting a lot of love out of that thing. And if I treat tithing just like a bill, it's much like you know me paying for a utility bill. I don't put any love in the bill whenever I send it to Central Electric. Every single month. I never put in the memo line of the check to the power company. I love you, right? When I'm making a transaction, I would never do that, right? But so much of the time, we, we write our check out to God or we bring our tithe to God and we don't put any heart in it. It just simply becomes a mechanical transactional thing. But whenever tithing gets out of just our heart and we get rid of the fear out of our head and it gets into our heart, it becomes a relational thing. My natural response to God because I love him is that I want to give to him because he first set that example for me. And I want to share this scripture with you today in Mark chapter 12, verse 41. It says, Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts, but then a poor widow came and dropped two small coins in. We see here Jesus takes a time out before this next verse and he calls his disciples to him because he wants them to notice what just took place here. He's like, guys, come around. Did you see what just happened? They're like, yeah, we saw people bring large offerings in and that was really good. But we saw that one lady, she came in and she just put one, two coins in the offering. And, you know, I don't know about that. But Jesus said, No, I want you to know something. The widow put in more than the rest of everybody else. Why? Because she put her heart completely in it. And in verse 43, it says, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, the poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she is poor, and she gave everything she had to live on. So we see here in this moment that Yes, it's about bringing 10%. It's bringing our tithe to God. But what is Jesus most interested in? He's most interested that as we bring our gifts to God and we live generously and we give into the kingdom of God, that our heart be in it. That it's not something that's done in our head. That it's not something that's done transactional. But it is something that is done relational out of worship and out of love and out of adoration for God. That we want to put him first above everything else in our life. That we want God to realize in this moment that my heart is yours but also my wallet is yours. And that there's nothing that you cannot have that belongs to me because I would not have it if it wasn't for you to begin with. God, I see you as my provider. I see you as my need meter. And something happens once we get it out of our head and God's truth begins to get in our heart. Eventually that seed comes out of our hands and gets into the kingdom of God, which is our third point today. And that is this, is that tithing gets the seed out of our hands and it puts it into God's hands. That's what that widow did that day. She wasn't just giving all that she had, putting it in there, expecting nothing to happen. She took that one coin and put it into the hand of God. She put that second coin 
and put it into the hand of God, realizing that God is able, that God is faithful, that God can do more with two coins than we could do with any amount of money. That she knew the God that she served was a God that could do miracles whenever we get the seed out of our hand and we put it into God's hand because she knew the God that she had heard of that turned water into wine, that took a few loaves and a few fishes and fed 5,000 people with it. She realized that she was giving to a God that created all this to begin with, that there is nothing impossible to Him, that whenever I give to this God, He can do more with the 10%, that He can bless the rest, and He can have so much come into my life that my needs are met. But then also beyond that, I have plenty to give to other people as well. This widow realized the truth that if she let go and she let God, God could do something miraculous with it. She began to partner with God in that moment, realized that God can do more with that 10% and cause it to be multiplied back to my life more than any other person that I could partner with in my life. Because tithing truly is an investment into the kingdom of God. And in 2 Corinthians 9, 10, it says, for God is the one who provides seed to the farmer and bread to eat. And God gives us the resources to begin with, but he's going to make sure that we have bread to eat. We have something for our needs to be met. And it says in the same way, he'll provide increased resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you'll be enriched in every way in your life so that you can always be generous. This widow did not put those two coins into the offering that day thinking that she was never going to see anything again and she was never going to have anything again. Just like a farmer will never throw seed into the ground and say, I just wasted that seed, I threw it away. But no, every time that a farmer puts seed into the ground, what are they doing? They're expecting a harvest to come back on the seed that they sow. They're expecting a crop so that their lives will have some, but also they can bless the lives of other people as well. But I think quite possibly the most powerful thing that happens whenever we get the seed out of our hands and we put it into God's hand is this, is that miracles really do begin to happen. For my life personally, I told you at the beginning of the message that I was going to end the message about where tithing all started for me in the seventh grade. See, for me, like I talked about, my family didn't grow up going to church. We didn't go to church. We were not those people growing up. But as I became a teenager, God touched my dad's life. Man, did his life really change. All of a sudden, I'm riding in the car with him. He's not listening to secular music. He's got Christian radio on. And I don't know if y'all remember Christian radio in the 90s, but it was not good. And I'm like, Dad, can we listen to anything else? This is terrible. Are you hearing this? And he's like, no, this is what we listen to now. And I'm like, I don't know what happened in your life, but God must be some kind of powerful for you to change the way you change. You listen to Christian radio now? He's like, yeah, I am. You're going to church on Sunday, or excuse me, on Wednesday. And I'm like, hmm, okay. I'm like, I don't really want to go to church. And he's like, well, you're going to go. And I'm like, okay. Well, I was like, I'm going to get a few of my buddies, three of my friends to go with me. So I'm like, at least it won't be so bad. I'll have my friends there. You know, I'm like, church is boring. And that's how I looked at it during that time in my life. Well, we go and they have youth group. They got some food there. They got some games there. They were kind of having an event that night and they preached the message and my heart is just getting bigger and bigger and God is doing something in my life in that moment. And whenever the altar call is given and they're like, raise your hand if you want to accept Christ. 
something came over me in that moment where I lifted my hands and I accepted Christ in that moment. And not only that, I lifted my eyes up to look around. I know you're not supposed to do that during an altar call, right? That's to keep your eyes closed, but I still have a hard time with that today. I want to see how many people make a decision for Christ. But in that moment, I saw the three friends that I brought with me did too. I'm like, whatever God's doing in my heart, he just did in their heart too. And all of us have our hands up and we've got tears in our eyes. And we all made a decision for Christ that night. And I'm so thankful for the people that made the decision to get the seed out of their hands and get it into God's hands by tithing and giving to that church, by being generous towards God, because that church was able to have a youth pastor and pay him to have food for that night, to have some activities for that night, to have a roof and a building and a place for us to come to. If it was not for those people's generosity and for them tithing, that would have never happened in my life. And whenever we get the seed out of our hands and we put it into God's hands, miracles truly do happen. Ministry happens. It was a miracle. I gave my life to Christ that night at youth group. But something special happened last week for for me and in my family because last week we had a youth event and my son, he went to it. He brought three friends with him. And they had some food and they had some games that just seemed very similar to whenever I gave my life to Christ all those years ago. And in that moment, a message was preached, an altar call was given, and Max raised his hand and made a decision for Christ, my oldest son. But not only that, the three friends that he brought, they made a decision too. And I want you to know today that every time you write out your tithe, you're writing the stories of people who will give their life to Christ. You're a part of the stories and you help write the stories of people whose lives will be changed by the kingdom of God and by a loving heavenly father every time you write out that tithe. And miracles happen in you and through you every time that you're generous towards God and you bring your tithes to God, you bring your offerings to God. God can do so much with two coins. He changed my life because two people and several people in that church made a decision to tithe. And then the same thing happened again in my life. And I just want to say thank you to you. Every person that ties and gives to this church, you helped make that happen. You helped write that story for my family and for my son. And that's a miracle to me to get to see that and to get to see his friends receive Christ too. What an incredible thing that I will never forget. And that's because you made a decision to write out your gift to God and help write the story of other people. And so I want to thank you for that today. Let's let's bow our heads and pray together. Father, we come before you today. We thank you for the opportunity to be a part of people's stories as we tithe and as we give, Father, for ministry to truly happen, not just in our lives, but, but through our lives as well. And Father, we thank you that you first gave Jesus for us so that our life would forever be changed. You loved us so much that you gave Jesus the most precious thing, the most valuable thing. You let nothing stand in the way of your love, not even giving your first and your best, your only begotten son. If you're here today and you say, I want to know that kind of love, I want to know that kind of father that will love me perfectly, that will provide for me incredibly 
that will use me to help write the stories of other people who will accept him as Lord and Savior. And I don't know that Jesus you're talking about. If you will, just raise your hand for me real quick. I want to pray all together in this moment. Thank you for those hands. Let's pray this prayer together today. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for giving him for me. I accept him now as my personal Lord and Savior. And I thank you, Lord, that you're continuing to write my story in using me to help write others' stories. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's give it up for those that raised their hands just a moment ago. What an amazing decision. I want to invite you today, if you need prayer for anything at all, we'll have some prayer team down front here after service. Come down and get prayer. If it's your first time here at Word of Life, we want to invite you. We've got to, we want to be generous to you today. We've got a free t-shirt for you that you can get at our guest tent back through those double doors. We want to thank you so much for coming. And also, lastly, I want to invite you. If you say, you know what, I've been tithing for a long time now, but I want to help write the stories of other people give their life to Christ. One of the things that we did several weeks ago is we launched at this campus something called Mission Accomplished where we want to pay off the remaining debt of this building so that we can do more ministry with that money that's being paid towards the bank loan right now. If that's something that interests you and you want to be a part of writing more stories and more life change, you can check out how to do that at our website on our giving page. But thank you guys so much for coming to this service and we'll see you guys next Sunday. Have a great day.